Freedom! Welcome back to a tale of two rivals. Plus one. I'm your host at FF underscore banterman, Todd Foster, and I'm joined by <laughs> FF underscore spaceman right. Uh, sorry, the wife's getting a little uh, touchy-feely over here while the uh, podcast is starting. Here, so hey. so uh, what can I say? Uh, <laughs> it's a family show, everybody. I know. Huh? We're, trying to keep, <laughs> we're trying to keep this, uh, you know, as a, an uncensored show. But, yeah, I'm happy to be here, and let's go. Let's get going. Uh, it's been, if, we haven't recorded in two weeks, even though we've had episodes out. So it's been a while since I've heard your guys' lovely voices, even though I have talked to Todd on the phone. That's true. That's true. At, at anybody else out there, are you also getting touched by your wife? Your lovely effervescent plus one, FF underscore walrus, can't because he strategically sat down to block such behaviors with a low center of gravity. See, that's Dave's problem. He's so exposed standing up. There's too many angles of attack. <laughs> this is true. This is interesting. So, gents, how's the life? And, um, Sean, did you have a question for the group? I did, because, you know, as a group, we all think pretty highly of ourselves. We consider ourselves to be men of strategy and stratagems. Well, Todd's more of a blunt force kind of guy, but yeah. And I forced yeah, my way into two true. championships. I guess so. he's the third degree murder out of all of us. There's no premeditation there. <laughs> hey, man, I just get the job done. Okay. But continue. speaking of strategies, in a game of risk, what is the best continent to capture first? This is an easy question. Uh, it's South America. Oh, um, it's you know it's got one more it's got one more bonus than australia it's only got uh three points of entry and also it's a great into a, a, a staging point to go into north america that's i'm playing a game of risk right now and that's been my strategy and I'm about to win I'm about two turns away from winning so did you just say three points of entry yeah, it's got you. Well, at least in the game board I am, there's an Antarctica. I'm not. I can't remember if there's an Antarctica in every game. Really, I've never seen one with an Antarctica. Well, that's a game changer, though. Interesting. So, gentlemen, I've never played Risk. What? Yeah, that explains everything. Oh God, <laughs> so much about you makes sense. I I would. So here's the thing about Risk. You're probably a checkers guy too, aren't you? No, I'm a chess guy. Oh, uh, okay. That's better. So, I would love to play Risk. It's just. You know, when you listen to people who have played Risk, want it like you, you're like, how do I like approach this game since I haven't played it my entire life? I feel like it's like the same as like jumping online and like playing Fortnite with like twelve year olds who did it all freaking day when you have never played before. You're just gonna get lit up. You it's know, almost, it, it's it's like joining a Devi team or Devi league with never paying attention to college football before. That's what it's like. Yeah, that would that sounds very challenging, and I don't know. I'm not sure if that would be fun, you know. But I would love to learn Risk and play Risk. I just haven't done it before. All right, That's prepare all. for an invite in your inbox, Todd. We're playing some online Risk here. Uh, send one my way, please. All right, listeners, if you want to join the Tale of Two Rivals uh, Listener League <laughs> Risk game, hit us up at Tale of Two Rivals at gmail.com. <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. Um, yeah, so I'll let you guys beat me down in some risk while I beat you guys down in Dynasty. Yeah, so, I need an outlet for that. That's fair, man. That's totally fair, you know? Um, I feel like Dave and I have been going back and forth a little bit on Twitter lately. Dave, like, 
Call out my age. He's kind of an ageist at these points. He told me to go to bed that I was an old man. It was it was kind of messed well, up. Well, you are the yeah. oldest one here. It stands to reason. Significantly, too, yeah, at that. He's like 45 or something. 45. <laughs> he saw the birth of the computer. That's all anybody needs to know. Hey, man. Yeah, I mean, I did have an Apple IIe. It was awesome. So, all right, gents. Let's get into it. So, tonight we are finishing our Buy Low Vet series. So, we've done running backs. We did QB and tight ends. And we're going to finish it up with the ever-so-deep position of wide receivers. So, gentlemen, when we're talking about buy low vet wide receivers, what were you looking for in criteria and the guys that we were recommending? David, what are you thinking, buddy? I'm just thinking of, you know, same as my approach for all the other buy lows. I want wide receivers. There's a difference between their redraft and dynasty ADP because of the ageism going on in dynasty. I want immediate value. I'll take that discount in my veteran buy low. I like it. I like it. I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I'm kind of looking for those like immediate guys. Um, the like the ageism, obviously, something I talk about all the time. Uh, what about you, Sean? Yeah, the I mean the ageism too played in for me because I was trying just to think about this through the lens of who are you targeting for a win now team? You know, for if you want to chop up veterans as just veterans and rookies, there's obviously a lot of plot pop to chasing a guy like Preston Williams, Anthony Miller. But for this, I was really just trying to focus on, you know, who are you going to get? at a basement bargain price for production now. You know, who might be 30-plus but really still commands a lot of targets in their offense, has a chance to finish as at least a wide receiver too, maybe a high-end wide receiver too. And yeah. who's, who you aren't going to have to sell the farm or give up, you know, a 2021 first or anything crazy for. I also even think that, like, when you're looking for buy low for vets, like, you know, a wide receiver three matters on your team. Those tight weeks, like those those depth guys are the guys that are going to be the difference between wins and losses, you know? So if you're looking for a wide three that's super cheap because he's older, I think that's totally a good guy to be targeting. And those are also the depth guys that you need in case of injuries anyways. So for me, another thing too has been um, forced narratives. That's a big one for me. So when guys are kind of being forced like, well, what could happen with this situation or that situation is we haven't really like seen that like play out yet, but we're just already subjectively saying this guy's going to go down because this change just happened, you know? So to me, I feel like that's kind of, it's just forced, you know, like, like, yes, that is a firm possibility, but I feel like people kind of run too far with it. And I think that that drives a lot of guys values down. So, like, one of my guys, that's a big, big, big thing with me. But, um, yeah. Todd, and I also... can, Todd, can I interrupt really quick? Go ahead. Um, the, you know what's been really fascinating, too, is that there's been a lot of talk on fancy Twitter and in podcasts about how deep the wide receiver position is. Yeah. Just because it's deep doesn't mean a wide receiver, two isn't valuable. If a player right. finishes a wide receiver, two, that's still going to help you beat teams that have wide receiver threes. Or, player, you, you know, points matter. And I understand the value, how deep. You know, we there's theoretically like, oh, there's 40 wide receiver, there's 40 top 24 wide receivers potentially this year. Okay, yeah, but there's still only gonna be top 20. There's only gonna be 24 top 24 wide receivers. Take right. advantage of it. You know, pick your spots and try to find that value where other people aren't. And the other thing too is that like when you're talking about like just a wide receiver two being matter, like anything, like from like even a wide three, like most leagues you're starting three wide receivers or multiple flexes. These guys matter because. If 
you know, if your stud comes up and has like an average week and you need these guys to pick you up, I mean, you need depth throughout your roster to be able to stay contending, you know, like every week, people do not show up every week. Everyone has down weeks, so you need to be strong throughout your entire lineup. So just saying to yourself, like, um, just focus on like those big time studs, you're missing the point. Like, like guys get hurt, they have down weeks, you know, like you just got to be able to be strong throughout your lineup. So looking for guys that are older, that are by woes, I, you know, for those flex spots, those wide three spots are incredibly important in my mind. You know? In the off the rails dino, we have a, like a, a Twitter DM thread for the off the rails dino podcast that I'm in on Twitter, and it is some filled with some great guys like uh, DFF Swags, uh, Christopher Bean, Dynasty Madman, and a bunch of other people like FL Two Drink. There's a bunch of great guys in that. Um, and an interesting topic we we're talking about today is depth is going to matter this year as far as yep. our wide receiver bids are going to be concerned. Like, you know, for free agent bidding and also, you know, if you can acquire a, a veteran who could be maybe a, he might be considered a wide receiver four or at least in value, but he could give you top 36 weeks or top 24 weeks, you know, never know how this season's going to play out. And that could really help with there's certain weeks or six different teams on bye weeks and stuff for a contender. Every week matters. So, well, to flush out Dave's point a little bit more, we could be seeing a season where, you know, you're not losing guys to knee injuries, you're losing guys to COVID, to illness for one game, two games. True. And that's True. where it's going to matter if you're True. dropping down one tier versus like, hey, I grabbed Greg Ward off the wire last year and I'm rolling with him. Instead of I have, you know, a 30 plus year old guy who's going to step in and be far more effective for my squad. Exactly. Exactly. So you, you should be like, even if you're looking to contend that year, you should be balancing like, you know, upside with like proving like everybody's always looking for like, I believe this guy's about to take that step. Well, they're trying to take the step to a guy that's already available. That's already there. You know what I mean? People are trying to work to that with the level that guy's already at or has been. And he might have maybe lost a little bit, but that's why you just like these proving guys are a discount because you know what you're going to get. No projection there it's production you know so to me i feel like that's that's really important especially with the whole thing with uh people possibly you know being out games for covid i actually think most leagues should be adding two ir spots across the board just in case for these situations you know what i love about our league todd we have unlimited ir spots but the caveat is is the player has to be on your team for them to qualify your ir spot so i really like that uh why punish you for a guy getting injured I like that too, and I also like the the add-on to that where it has to be that to be on your team. I definitely tried to exploit that rule once, and I'm pretty sure I picked up like five guys on IR and put them right on my IR. And Dave's like, "You can't do that." And I was very like, nicely said that. Very nicely. No, well, you know, I said, "Where's it in the rules?" And then you showed me the rule, and I said, "Okay." <laughs> so I was like, "All right." I didn't didn't see that rule, and I'm I've been corrected, and I thought I got away with something sly there. Um, Not today. All right. So, gentlemen, our wide ones for Bio Vets. For the first wide one, Sean, I'd like to hear your guy to start off. Yeah. First one that jumped right into my noggin was Marvin Jones. I think he is being really underlooked because of the emergence that we saw from Kenny Galladay. And not to take anything away from Galladay. Because he was fantastic. He deserves every single bit of the hype that he's getting going into this year. And he's he's the wide one on that team. He's a wide one for the fantasy landscape in general. But Jones is still really good and really serviceable. And he only had 10 games, right, that he was in last year before he got hurt. 
and he still accounted for a quarter of the red zone targets for the year for that team. That's how much he was utilized. You know, once TJ Hawkinson started kind of falling off the radar after that huge week one, it was Jones and Galladay in the red zone. That's why they were both putting up the numbers they did. And Jones is older, sure. Jones has the injury history, sure. He's been hurt every year. He's got a lot of soft tissue damage, which he stands a big chance of repeating. I think I saw the other day that if you have a soft tissue injury the week before, your injury risk goes up like one and a third times for the following year based just on that re-injury to your soft tissue. But again, we're talking guys you're stacking up on for cheap because they're older, because they have this kind of down negative narrative that Jones has about being injured, about Kenny Galladay being the guy. But we talked about Matt Stafford on the last episode and how fantastic he was. He was on pace for a 5,000-yard season last year, probably close to 40-ish touchdowns. That's not all Kenny G. He might have those smooth roots, but Marvin Jones is going to come in there and he's going to cut a big piece out for himself. And this is a team that, by all indications, probably isn't going to get a whole lot better. Like, yeah, they added DeAndre Swift, they added some other pieces, but that's a tough division that they're in. And they're probably going to be playing from behind in a lot of games, which is why Stafford was going off last year before he got hurt. I think you're just, it's going to be more of the same. And if Jones is in there, if Jones is healthy, he's going to be phenomenal. And he's got wide receiver two written all over him. And even just from a dynasty perspective, him and Kenny G are both up next year. Both of them aren't staying. So maybe they cheap out and they decide to keep Jones on a lesser contract than Galladay going somewhere else. And then he's the wide one there. What's probably going to happen, though, is Jones is going to leave. They're going to keep Galladay. They'll offer him a big contract. And where is he going to go? Maybe Green Bay. Maybe somewhere that actually needs an effective wide receiver, too. And he can still put in good work. So I think it's not only great for this year, but you're looking at maybe this year, next year, and possibly even the year after, depending on what that contract looks like, of serviceable production from a guy who's big, a guy who can get contested catches, and a guy who's reliable in the red zone. I, I've I've always been a big Marvin Jones fan. He was a he was like my guy like three years ago. I, I've I've always really liked him. Uh Dave, what about your thoughts on Marvin Jones? So I feel like I'm in this is turning into a little uh gimmick of mine where Sean says something and I go or t- you or Sean say something and I said and I asked the other guy a question, but um I was just really shocked here. Sean likes to bill himself as the Mr. Articulate on the show, you know, the well spoken, you know, the smooth criminal. Uh, but I heard the, for the first time ever hearing Sean talk, I heard a little New Hampshire in his accent uh, with the roots <laughs> instead of routes. What's up with that? Don't Sean? say that. Somebody today called or the other day called New Hampshire the south of the north, and I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> that's not true. That that would that's definitely Maine. Maine is definitely the south of the north. Not hey, even we're very progressive. We have one of the few um, we're voting. Structures where it's like, uh, I think it's something ranked, like ranked, ranked, ranked voting. voting. That's very progressive. That's, actually, that is Maine true. is a lot more progressive than New Hampshire. Yes, I'm very aware. I just, you know. Well, I apologize to Dave. I apologize to all in listener land in the other 49 states. It's all subjecting good, all of you to yeah. that. Diving to Marvin Jones. First off, Marvin Jones is becoming a little bit of a sleeper darling. I think a lot of people are, he's very popular to talk about. Um, that being said, his ADP hasn't moved a ton. He's... So he's still wide receiver 56 or no wide receiver 61. Sorry. And like going in 163rd over 163rd overall in dynasty startups. Um, and when I was doing research for this, I was kind of surprised with this in the last three years, three years ago, he finished a uh, 12th overall top was a top 12 wide receiver. 
had a down year in between when he uh, had some injuries, but then last year finishes a top 24 receiver despite missing three games. Uh, I was shocked to hear that, that he's done, has done that well. Uh, and there was that one caveat where he had like, I think a 40 plus game. I think it was against the Vikings or something where he just exploded and then he wasn't as good, but you know, that gets a little dicey when you start picking and choosing which weeks matter, but it, it just did stick out to me a little bit. That being said, I love me some Marvin Jones and playing um, are my favorite game that you guys have come to love. Would you rather, um, so, and I use the DLF trade finder for this. Uh, I saw a trade for Marvin Jones or Anthony McFarland. What are you guys doing? Marvin Jones. It's pretty even to me. That bases me off roster construction and where I am. If I'm win now team and I could use a wide receiver, Marvin Jones all day. If I'm somewhere on the fringe, I'd rather take the young running back that could be replacing James Conner in 2021. So it, it really depends on my team. I'll take Marvin Jones because there's nothing to say that another running back won't replace Anthony McFarland in 2021. The Steelers have drafted a running back every year for the last four years. I also think Anthony McFarland is a heck of an athlete, and there's a chance that he could run away with that job too. Yeah, I think so he's the best one there, but I think now well, I take Jones. Yeah. Well, you're talking about having a guy to have a shot opportunity to walk into a to a running back one situation where you. I mean, I like Jones. I think he's a good buy low, but I also think that, like I said, if you like, would you rather have the upside? Or are you trying to get a guy that you need right now? You know what I mean? So, for my team right now, I go for Jones. I agree overall with Todd's total analysis there. I think I lean McFarland just because I want the RB, like the idea of an RB. Like if Anthony McFarland hits, he's going to win people money, um, especially at that value. The interesting thing about McFarland for me is I, I remember like when you were talking about AJ Dillon's tape before, right? Anthony McFarland's tape really do much for me because the one thing McFarland does is he's just a freak breaking away, right? But it just kind of seems like he just go straight and just outruns everybody, you know? Yes, I agree. I would agree with that one. So, like, to me, I'm kind of like, okay, I haven't seen him, like, get touched or, like, have to break a tackle. You know what I mean? So those are the kind of things where I see from the eyesight piece and, like, where the draft capital comes into play for in the draft. So he's clearly a very good athlete, and he's he's there's some dynamic ability there. Some just, gimmickiness, like a little gimmicky, right? Right. So, like, to me, he seems more like – he seems like more of, like, a committee guy, but because he's such a good athlete and he's so fast, yeah, there's a possibility that he could take that job. But, man, that is a tough situation to own anybody in that backfield right now. As yep. far as I'm is that the toughest one in football right now? For running back? I mean, Washington's pretty tough, too, but who Washington's cares about Washington? Tough. The thing about Washington is you shouldn't care about Washington, so it's not tough. Like, just avoid Washington. Avoid Washington and avoid Jets. So I, I actually was really had a tough time with this one. Marvin Jones or Rob Gronkowski? Ah, uh, okay. One tight end? Uh, yeah, let's just say one tight end. Jones. Jones. Do you see them? They're going to run 12 personnel, like, all the time, apparently. Down there. Yeah. So, one tight end, Jones, two tight end, Gronk. Easy. Yeah. I don't think it's easy. I think it's close. I have them relative, I have them like within six or seven slots of each other in my rankings. But just because if Gronk, he's just regained everything and he's, you know, he's everything, you know, he used to be, which I don't think is going to happen. Did you even watch he, WrestleMania, Dave? He clearly isn't. I, I did not watch <laughs> WrestleMania, no. But we under the influence of uh, cannabis and all that stuff. So, in that, that, but <clears throat> anyway, so 
Did I just you think... just call it cannabis? Is this reefer madness? I thought Todd was the old one. <laughs> I was going to say. I thought that was the name of the brand. It was like some kind of cannabis oh, product. That wacky tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Dave. Do wow. we need to wrap this up so you can get to the sock hop? Yeah, yeah this. Right. Is, I loved. I went to a summer camp that had sock hops. Unbelievable time. Oh, sock hopping the night away with Katie. I remember great time at Camp Jordan. Sock hops, mashed potato wrestling. You had a very interesting childhood. That, very, you know, it, it was. It was lifestyle. like it was like you were born in a time warp. That's amazing. Yes. So okay, so. I think, you know, overall, I think for a win-now team, I think he's definitely worth, you know, bef- while rookie drafts were happening, he was worth an early third-round pick. I'm just not giving up an early second for him, like a 2021 second. I don't, I'm, or not even an early. I don't think I can give up an, a 2021 second for him in a trade right now. What about you guys? Well, that's actually what I was good. Yeah, I was actually going to ask that to Sean. Is like, what's your trade price for Jones? Yeah, I think I would if I'm going win-now, right? So you're talking Marvin Jones for the, if you're hoping to win it all, you're talking... 23rd to the 25th pick i probably would not give up a second um i think part of the reason is is that i'm really really high on the 2021 class uh i'm on the fence of whether i'm higher on it than the 2020 class right now and um the other thing with that is i feel like you could probably use a third and then like a decent prospect or flyer like agg you know what I mean? Or Andy Isabella. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. And that pains me to say as a UMass alum. But, like, AGG and, like, a third should be able to get you Marvin Jones. And I'm going to feel better about that. So you're moving, like, two-thirds. So, like, a 2023rd and a 2021st third. And the, and the team that's taking it, who has Jones, if you're contending, you don't make that trade. If you're not contending and you have Jones, why don't you make that trade? Todd, can I throw you know? one at you then? Would you do a 2021 third in Lynn Bowden for Marvin Jones? For my team, the two, the, the back-to-back champ. Um, I mean, I'm just I'm you're so high on Lynn Bowden. I know you picked him in the third. <laughs> um, the only thing, so like when I threw out my guy, it was another wide receiver, right? So I look at Lynn Bowden. I feel like Lynn Bowden is going to find a way to be on the football field in one way or another. You know, so I feel like he's going to get touches whether it be catching the ball, running the ball, whatever. He might even throw some passes, right? But that kind of comes down to me. If I can, if I need a wide receiver, absolutely I'll make that move. If I'm kind of hurting at running back, probably not. You Raiders know? fans better be hoping Derek are limpoed and throwing passes compared to Derek Carr, but anyway. Derek Carr completed 70 pass, has 70% completion percentage last year, David. Did he ever throw the ball past line of scrimmage? I... I'm being sarcastic. I'm being sarcastic. I'm going to say probably. I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, no. So, yeah, Sean. So, to answer your question, it really comes breaks down to like just need for me on that one, you know? So, yeah, possibly. Guys, thanks for playing my favorite game. I'm glad. I'm glad. You know, it's a really creative game, David. I've never seen a game like that before. So, I, I think I should coin it because I don't think anyone's ever done it before. <laughs> Smart. Um, so, but the only other thing too is like, I had one other quick thing about Marvin Jones. So are you guys worried about Swift or TJ coming in and like kind of taking away like targets in that offense? Like that's like the one thing, like you have like a, you know, a very, very highly touted wide receiver. I mean, uh, tight end. And then you have a phenomenal receiving back coming in. So like, 
Jones has some more competition as far as I'm concerned for targets. You guys worried about that at all? I think the volume is going to be too high. If that, if that tracks, yeah. um, you know, they'll be playing from behind so much. Like last year, right? Last summer, the narrative was they're going run heavy. They want to use carry on. They're going to draft Hawkinson because he's an all around tight end, so he can block and he can stay in the line. But what happened? They sucked. So Stafford was on pace to throw 640 times. So I think if he is, that the volume's going to be there for all of them to eat. Fair enough. Fair enough. What about you, Dave? I think that I agree with Sean. The volume's, the volume's going to be there. For me, like I kind of agree, but I honestly think the name of the game of Marvin Jones is not the volume; it's the red zone, man. Like he, the guy, the guy finds the, the end zone. Like I don't typically chase touchdowns from the wide receiver position, but when you start looking at guys that low, like that starts to matter to me. And he's a guy who just knows how to find the end zone. So, um, all right. So Dave, actually, let's go to your guy next. Um, he, you are going to talk about one of my all time favorites. AJ green is Dave's pick. So I love me some AJ green Todd. Uh, that was, so if people don't know, we had a, like, it was a, re- for some reason, uh, the whole, and our, our our redraft league events were culminating where we had like, we did ping pong balls to, to to pick draft slots. We had videos to, you know, talking about certain things and Todd, you know, I think he got engaged. I got engaged. He got engaged. And so the day before the day before. before. So Todd, the drinks were flowing and, you know, fancy football. We were having a great time and Todd had one too many and was just, you know, age yelling AJ Green constantly. So that was where that comes from, which I he, love. He was my keeper and he was great value and I was very excited about it. And I was hammered. <laughs> so I I and, love that memory. And Dave disappeared in the middle of the day to go get a sales pizza. Oh yeah. Buffalo chicken was, you know, <laughs> you, it was definitely worth it. So um, AJ Green, twenty twenty, buddy. Okay, so I was looking at you know, looking doing a little bit of AJ Green hasn't played a lot in the last couple seasons, so I had to dig a little bit here, but He's never had a season below 15 PPR, PPR points per game in his entire career. When he's on the field, he's a stud. And yes, he's been dealing with some injuries, but they haven't been exactly like soft tissue, soft tissue injuries or injuries that are, you know, like, oh, he's not putting the work in. They've been, I remember when he injured his foot last season, it was on a freak play in training camp or something that I, 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 oh, I was so ticked off about because I had, again, the Dave Wright curse. I acquired AJ Green in a trade and he got injured a couple, like a month later. So uh, that's just the Dave Wright curse. But besides that, he's going as DLF wide receiver 39, according to their uh, most recent ADP and 101st overall. I'm liking him right at value. I have him at wide receiver 40. So, that you know, tit for tat or whatever. But uh, I'm taking him a full round earlier overall. I just, I, so I like him at that value. I'm willing to take him ahead of where people are willing to take him. And so I just want to show you guys using the DLF trade finder app, which we love. I think we talked about it last, last episode, a couple episodes, but why I love the DLF trade finder is that you can feel, use this to find real life trades on MFL and the players involved. This is how easy AJ, I was shocked. I, you know, I thought AJ green was, people were low on him, but I was shocked that some of these trades were going down. These are real life trades from real life dynasty leagues. AJ Green for Antonio Gibson. Shocked. AJ Green for Tariq Cohen. Shocked. What? This is going to blow your mind. That's a smash all day. Of course, especially he's one of Todd's guys, so I understand that. So 
this is really going to get me AJ I, I, Green. I, I'll, you have AJ Green. I'll give you Tariq Cohen for him right now. Yeah, exactly. Do it. A- <laughs> Live dream. <laughs> this is going to blow your mind. AJ Green for the 402 and the 408. I, oh. I, I could not believe it. Could not believe it. And then another one, the 312 and the 407. I want to throw I, up. I, I guys, I, I think when people say, guys, this is just, you know, this is a fault, you know, you're, this is a straw man argument. People are just saying AJ Green's low, valued low. These are real life trades. I could not believe it. That not, and people are like, not in my league. Okay. Well, the, in these leagues, on NFL, it was happening. So, and then AJ Green for Andy Isabella and the 405. Mind blown. And this, and then this is actually a decent one, or a little, at least not more understandable, but AJ Green, the 212 for the 203 and the 309. So essentially to trade up uh, nine spots or eight spots, nine spots, they gave up AJ Green and the 309. That That's it for, that's that's a great trade. I'll take AJ Green all day long to just fall back into that later tier in the second round. There's not even you, a sing, there's not a single trade there that's even a thought for me to no, take AJ Green. No, not not a single one. That's crazy. Even with that last one, you're talking what T Higgins instead of getting Brian Edwards, and it yeah, cost yeah. you AJ Green. I feel like this is like people who like skipped redraft for the last like six years and went right to dynasty and have no idea who he is. <laughs> like 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 i'm like do like are, are like seriously like i'm dumbfounded dude i can't even find words this that's crazy wow i i couldn't believe it either because i i just looked at this before we got on the show and i i could not believe it because i thought oh I, I i'm gonna try to see some unrealistic trades that just to set the stage here but this is just how easy he is to acquire now some more realistic trades um i think we might have mentioned this last week but aj green or lev bell Ooh. Oh, um I'll go Love Bell still, just just from the fact that with the wide receiver position being so like deep this year, and Love Bell still being an RB one and a team that's garbage, so like he should have plenty of work. I I'm gonna still go with the running back. Yeah, same. To quote Todd, never go Washington or New York Jets. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, AJ Green, and it's just because you know he could be a top twelve wide receiver this year. He's that good. Joe Burrow, QB, he could be that good. I'll take AJ Green. Fair, fair. I mean, I, I'm not going to be mad about that at all. I mean, for me, yeah. I think, like, Bell's possibly my only jet that I would even consider just from the fact that it, it's just a running back and it's just a, it's a scarce position. That's pretty much it. Yeah. But, yes, I tend to uh, – like, I probably would get Bell and then try to trade him immediately. So <laughs> so another – some a, two, a couple more interesting ones, and then I know we got to move on here. But A.J. Green or Keyshawn Vaughn? That's another one for need for me. Um I'll go green. How about you, Sean? Green, because I think Keyshawn Vaughn is one of the rookies who stands to lose the most from this COVID shutdown. Yeah. You, you know? know what's crazy, too, is I think AJ Green might be younger than Keyshawn Vaughn. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I, I'm, I kid, I kid. But, you know, I'm AJ I Green like as well. It. I like it. Um, all right. And then last one, AJ Green or Chris Carson? Ooh. Carson. Chris Carson. Same here. That was I had to throw one out that I would actually take that had a real life trade, and I was like, yeah. you know, I'm AJ Green for all these. I guess I'll throw Chris. I'll do this one trade. So, so I actually have a couple of quick questions about AJ Green as opposed to you guys. So, first things first, does he finish higher than Tyra Boyd in 2020? Assuming Green plays the full season, we we have to assume one way or the other. I mean, do you think Green plays the whole season? Like, are you confident that he could play 16 games this year? 
Sean? Sixty percent confident. But you know what? I'll 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 take it. I'll say yes even with that. Okay. All right. So Dave, what what's your take? AJ Green or Tyler Boyd? Twenty twenty. Who finishes higher? Go. AJ Green. Of course, AJ Green. Come on, for life. I um, I actually think it's going to be Tyler Boyd, even if they play the same amount of games. But I don't think it will be. It would be like more like a one A one B situation if they played the same amount of games. I think Tyler Boyd is a very very good player. And just being younger and being able to, like, take advantage of the opportunity that's in front of him, I think that he'll probably be the better wide receiver in that in that core. But I still love wow. wide res- I still love A.J. Green. This sounds like a bet in the making. It's a bet in the making for sure. So $30 worth of gin for $30 worth of beer. And what are the deals? Are we talking about... A.J. Green a- finishes higher. No injury clause? Uh, 12 no games. injury clause. 12 games played. So Whoa. AJ Green has to play 12 games for it yes. to still be a bet. Yes. So if AJ Green plays 12 games and Boyd plays 16 and Boyd obviously outscores him, I still win. Yes. All right, I'm in. Okay. We'll have to write this down. No, what? it's not. Kenny and I have one too. Oh, that's Every- true. Yeah, everyone can just bait me. I'm going to have like 15 before the season. Too. I still, I can't tell if the alcohol is hitting me or what. My room is spinning right now. I'm trying to find a Senator Gravity. Todd just, who I thought was AJ Green fan. I didn't think I knew anybody who was a bigger Green fan than Todd. And Todd just, and and Todd, Mr. Ageism himself, Mr. I don't believe in ageism, just throws out Tyler Boyd's younger. That's why. I'm just in shock. He also said it was zero consideration to the fact that you're talking about a rookie QB supporting more than one receiver for fantasy viability. Okay, so like their rookie QB is like 32 coming into the league, right? So um, it's Fuck, like when pretty you're much. 100, a- I know everybody seems like they're 32, but he's not. He's not. It's a it's a Chris Wanky all over again. Uh, no, so one, I yeah, no, I think Burrow has a pretty quick transition into the NFL. Um, but the other thing too, is like, if I'm looking at who he's going to throw more to, if I'm a rookie QB, I'm probably looking at the guy in the slot, which is where Boyd's playing more than green would be. And also playing those more intermediate routes where, you know, green goes down the field a little bit more. Um, I've been waiting to say this for the entire life of the podcast. Todd, you're overthinking it. (laughs) I don't think I'm overthinking it at all. I don't think I'm overthinking it at all. If a if a Q if a rookie QB is coming into a situation and they're still trying to get their field, they're gonna throw shorter. And I think that Boyd's gonna be that option. I also think Boyd is gonna have better job separating for people. I just I just like Boyd. He also has been very good for the last two years. I'm not overthinking it. I love AJ Green. I just think that it's like for me, like I think that between the injuries and that, I think that Green's ceiling is is high. And I think Boyd is starting he's he's their ceilings much much higher going there you know and boyd's been extremely productive so i also think that like when you're looking at green and what he has been and not respecting what boyd's been doing recently i really think that's undervaluing with how good of a player boyd's been the last i'm, two I'm not undervaluing Boyd. i like Boyd. it sounds I, like I, you are i like boyd a lot but boyd does not have wide receiver one overall upside like aj green aj green is that good 
I don't think why I don't think AJ Green has wide receiver one upside anymore. I think that's over, Dave. I think uh, that's does Julio over. have wide receiver one upside. What Julio has been a wide receiver one every year, <laughs> and, and, and and Julio Jones played last year. <laughs> All right, recency he, bias, recency bias, my friend. Okay, career bias. AJ Julio Jones has been a beast his entire career. AJ Green has struggled for the last two years. I think AJ Green was a better player up until his injuries than Julio, possibly. I think like the Dave, bias call comparison is terrible. Your argument is going down faster. Than yeah, Andrew it's terrible. Like Julio <laughs> Jones, the best wide receiver of our lifetime, dude. It's not even close. Like he is going to be on the Mount Rushmore of wide receivers. AJ Green will not. Like right. this is not even close. All right, not even I'm, gonna, close. I'm, gonna, I'm just saying they have been in the same tier throughout their careers until AJ. Not Green the last right. two years. And that's out of AJ Green's control. So is getting injured again. Now, now here's my last question about AJ Green: Is he relevant after 2020? Is it, is Julio Jones relevant after 2020? Is AJ Green relevant after? Dude, this is getting exhausting. They are, they were drafted in the same year. <laughs> they played the same amount of years. They, they, I don't under if you don't want to be ageist for Julio Jones, then don't be ageist for AJ Green. Dave, Dave, Dave. I'm not saying he's not. I just asked you a question. That's it. And you haven't even heard my response. I just asked you, do you believe AJ Green? I'm tilted. I am triggered. I am triggered. No, you are, man. I didn't even answer that question myself. So, would you like to hear my answer first so while you take some deep breaths into a paper bag? No. No, <laughs> I don't. If AJ Green if AJ Green shows that he can be healthy this year, I am very confident that he's got at least two more seasons after this year of being productive. And I think that AJ Green's probably more of a wide receiver too in the conversation, which is still incredibly respectable in a very deep in a very deep position, Dave. But I, I do think that Green is serviceable past this season. Sean, what about you? I think he can be, you know, obviously health considered. I think the question is where does he do it? Good point. And you That's know, is he point. just adding on at Certainly, certainly not a veteran minimum for somebody of his pedigree, but short years, short money, chasing a ring. You know, this is like um, this is starting to feel reminiscent of Andre Johnson when they were talking about him coming to the Patriots because he'd been on the Texans and the Texans were terrible. So, are they going to start headhunting? Are they going to start looking for other teams to just play for cheap, walk on, compete, be good for once, actually understand a winning culture? You know, he might be that guy, and that. I don't think that is necessarily fantasy viable because then you're talking about a team that probably already has one or two really good options. It's funny you said Andre Johnson. The first person that popped in my head was Randy Moss when he came to the Pats and he kind of had a rebirth. I also think that AJ Green could still be a top option on a good team. You know what I mean? It does, my whole point is that when I made the Randy Moss comparison, it was just kind of like a very, very talented, Hall of Fame worthy wide receiver ending up in a much better situation with a much better quarterback and a much better system. Like, if A.J. Green went to Green Bay, that's totally different, you know? Uh, off the top of my head, I can't really think of where that place would be, but it's just kind of like where A.J. Green's at now. Like, I also could see him coming back and actually playing really well with Burrow, you know what I mean? But, yeah, we'll see. So, we know how Dave feels about it, so I think we'll just move on. Dave, you okay over there? 
hey guys, I'm okay. I'm hanging in there as the blows rain down upon me and AJ Green here. And I'm uh, as the, the emotions get the best of me, my, I'm not doing a very good job articulating my point. My point is, is that AJ Green, Julio Jones were on the same level. You could make an argument for either or through the 2017, through the 2017 season. That's how good they were. Yes, Julio Jones has performed the last two seasons at an elite level when AJ Green wasn't. But and and that doesn't mean that you shouldn't. Yes, you should have Julio Jones ranked higher, and you should have more confidence in Julio Jones. But the bias against AJ Green is unwarranted, and the stats back it up. Through 2017, 556 catches for AJ Green compared to 585 catches for Julio Jones. 29 more catches for Julio Jones. 8,213 receiving yards, AJ Green, compared to 9,054 for Julio Jones. So 800 more receiving yards for Julio Jones, roughly. And then 57 receiving touchdowns for AJ Green for 40 compared to 43 receiving touchdowns for Julio Jones. So 14 more receiving touchdowns for for AJ Green than Julio Jones. And that all equates to 29 through through seven seasons, 29 more fancy points for Julio Jones. They were that good. And AJ Green did it with a rookie QB in his rookie year with Andy Dalton. And, and Julio Jones had a better system and a better uh, overall supporting cast than AJ Green. And, and that just, it just baffles me when you, when people, when, because of age and the position that, that Tyler Boyd plays that, we wouldn't think that an elite player like AJ Green couldn't beat out Tyler Boyd. This isn't a fantasy football Hall of Fame debate, Dave. This is a fantasy football 2020 and beyond debate. I'm not talking about 2017, 2018. I'm talking about the current time right now. AJ Green has not been on Julio's level since 2015. End of story. Another reason why, like, I, I think that Julio is in a better tier when it comes to wide receivers. He come, they also throw the ball more. I mean, these are just some basic things, man. You're just saying that they're like, he's just as talented. I don't care, man. He's missed. He missed six games in 2017. He missed, like, all of last year. He missed seven in 2018. The guy hasn't had, he's had one full season in the last four. Julio's attached to the team that throws the ball the most in football. He has the, like, he's been a target beast compared to A.J. Green. There's so many reasons why Julio Jones is a better player than A.J. Green from a fantasy standpoint. And just as a wide receiver in general. They're not in the same class, Dave. They're just not. Todd, they have the same upside. That's all I'm saying. They have both can be wide receiver ones this year. They had the same upside in 2015. You can't let go. That's that's what the argument is, Dave. It, they had the same upside in 2015. You can't let go. And I I love AJ Green, dude. I love AJ Green. Not as much as Tyler Boyd, apparently. Hey, you know when you know when I yelled AJ Green, 2015, dude. That was the last year he was a beast. That was the last year when I was yelling about him as my keeper, because that's when he was relevant. And that he's that not kind of dead, dude. He is not dead. He's not, but he's not Julio Jones. It's a terrible argument. And he's not it's Tyler Boyd. He's argument. definitely better than Tyler Boyd. I, yeah. Like career wise. Yeah. In 2020, I don't agree. 20, well, we'll see. We'll see. I told you the brewery Rhode Island. I'd like you to go to, I'll throw you another 30. So you can get me 60 bucks worth. I appreciate it, man. I've been looking to get beer from that brewery for a while. It's going to be I, awesome. Can I add one thing in here? Dude, absolutely. We've been going I'm, on without you for a while. I'm very upset with Dave 
right now because when Todd referenced as like a crux of his argument that AJ Green missed all of last season, that Dave just glazed right past, just blew right past, like missed the exit for an unbelievable Gene Hackman quote and just saying he should be well rested then from the replacements. <laughs> Terrible, Dave. What are you even doing? You fool. You Gene fool. Hackman. I, I apologize to Gene Hackman and his movie brilliance. You should. Uh, We're talking about Lex Luthor here. Show some that's, respect. That's amazing. He hasn't played in years. Should be well-rested then. All right. So that A.J. Green impromptu Julio debate went much longer than I expected. So I still think you guys should bet. We did. Dave, let's attack this a different way. What is A.J. Green's ceiling this year? The wide receiver one. The wide receiver one? Yes, he's that good of a player. Okay, I'll bet you that he doesn't finish above the wide receiver seven. Oh, uh, Sean, I'll bet you your bottle easy... of gin versus We're my bottle of gin. We're talking about ceiling, dude. It, 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 I, I would take that thing if you don't want to finish as a top 12 wide receiver. I'll do that as a top 12. Yeah, I'll bet you a top 12 wide receiver. <laughs> All right. David. I need 12 games played. I need 12 games played. So 12 games played at least. He finishes as a top 12. You buy your bottle of gin. I buy my bottle of gin for my disgusting state. Yeah, as, at least if it's under 50 bucks. Okay. <laughs> um, I can't believe that I'm saying this. I'm not AJ Green's biggest fan on this podcast. That's amazing. Um, all right. So I actually have a guy, guys. You know, like we've been talking so long about two people that i actually do have somebody i want to thank talk god about. we made this its own episode yeah right <laughs> it's gonna be heavily edited by the way because we repeated <laughs> ourselves a couple times but yeah so uh so for me my guy uh it's a guy that i also think could be in the wide receiver one conversation in fact he has been a wide receiver one for th- the last three years and it's keelan out so in startups right now according to uh, DLF for the ADP for June. He is the 21st wide receiver off the board with a 44.5 ADP, which would make him a mid-round fourth. So for me, you're looking at a guy that's been a wide receiver one in PPR for the last three years. His target share has been between 25% uh, 25 to 27%. So he's been averaging... 148 targets over the last three years and he's been unbelievably consistent and i know how much dave prides himself on this and he's possibly the best route runner in all of football (laughs) and his separation is just unbelievable in fact i do i have an article coming out about wide receiver ones at the buy low and it's keelan allen and (gasps) julio jones so those are the two guys that highlight and my twitter thing is just just Keenan Allen just leaving a DB in the dust on a hitch step. It's just phenomenal. So, and the other thing too is like he hasn't he hasn't missed a game in three years. He's 28. He's not that old. But it seems like the way that people are treating him, he's much older. They haven't had a serious threat to that entire offense in terms of target share. And in 2017, he was the number three uh, wide receiver in PPR. 2018, he was the number 12 wide receiver. And 2019, he was number 11. So why is he undervalued? Well, it's obvious. It's that quarterback narrative that's just being forced down everybody's throat. Oh, there's a new QB. He used to love Rivers. Yeah, I'm not going to deny that him and Rivers had a phenomenal connection. But Dave is actually the person that talks about this all the time. 
talent always wins and they always went out and they always find ways to be productive keenan allen is one of the best wide receivers in football and he's going to continue to be productive yes tyre tyron taylor is a downgrade yes tyron taylor in my mind is going to start for them out of the gate while justin herbert has to deal with this horrendous way of starting his nfl career and take some extra time to learn tyron taylor was a pretty decent quarterback the last time he was a starter when he was in buffalo i mean he had a 62 percent completion percentage with absolute scrubs as his wide receivers his leading wide receiver was, was sean mccoy and he was still being very accurate with the ball Keenan McCardell, like Keenan Allen can play all over the field. <laughs> I know, Keenan McCardell. I know, Keenan McCardell, man. I used to love Keenan McCardell. But Keenan Allen is somebody who has a route tree all over the place. He can do it short. He can do it intermediate. He can do it long. I do think that he's still going to be productive. And the number one thing I think that people tend to overlook when it comes to the Chargers, that line is just so much better. They added two Pro Bowl players to that line. There's going to be a lot better of a situation going on with that. So there's a there's a reality where this offense could be better than last year. So I think that narrative is quite exaggerated and quite forced. Keenan Allen as the 21st wide receiver off the board in startups is a travesty. So if you're looking to get a guy with a floor of wide receiver two with a ceiling of wide receiver one and is being treated like a low wide receiver two. go get Keenan Allen. So Sean, cause I'm sick of hearing from Dave. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think Keenan Allen is, is a good look here. You know, you mentioned the quarterback concerns, but the fact of the matter is the quarterback can be as concerning as you want, but we have eons of data just supporting that you can be the wide receiver one on a team that doesn't have a great quarterback option and still be fantasy relevant. Because the right. fact of the matter is, is that despite the quarterback change here, and they went from having one quarterback for the last 15-ish years to having two guys that are brand new, is that there aren't any other receivers. There's still just Keenan Allen, and there's still just Mike Williams, and there's just Hunter Henry, who will probably play nine games max this year. So Keenan's going to yep. be guaranteed at least 110 targets. It's going to be fantastic. And, you know, those finishes, and on, to just support your point, Todd, when you said he's 28, that kind of took me to that surprise a little bit. I thought he was a little bit older. And that exactly. just goes to show how overlooked he is. People aren't really having him on the radar. And I think some of that is he's pretty boom bust. And for me, that would be the big – I know that's not really the narrative right now, but in the narrative is the QBs. For me, the narrative is that he's a little bit boom bust. But in terms of this lens that we're talking about, buy low vets, hell yeah – Smash it, do it, knock it down, grab him, throw him in your lineup. Because we're not talking about guys that you're going to get to be your wide receiver. One, that that boom bust really matters that much for. You know, we're talking about guys you're ratting in as your wide receiver three, your wide receiver four. These are the guys who are going to carry you to the title that Dave covets so much but will never actually grasp. AJ Green will get me. AJ Green will get me there. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have Julio. You know, He's going to outperform him. <laughs> That's so great. Um, so I think just you can't you can't beat it because who are they going to throw to? It's it's Keenan Allen and then it's Mike Williams and then it's Keenan Allen again and then it's Mike Williams again because there's nobody else. The the number two receiving option on that team is Austin Eckler. You know 
that that that's the number two wide is your running back you know um and uh, dave and i got into it about henry a little bit on twitter like that's not that bad dave was saying something i'm like well i'd like to if a, a position that i tend to stream i like to make sure that the guy will probably be healthy if i have to put capital into him you know so to doctor yeah i uh, no, i just i could just read oh this guy tends to miss games i'd probably rather take a running back or a wide receiver for depth instead of him where he's gonna go you know what i mean and i'll just go and get john U. smith who i love dave you know so for me like with keenan allen like it, he's just consistent man he like like what more does he like i just read off his resume what is he missing dave tell me what he's missing well, he, what he was missing last year was a better quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. That's what he was missing. So um, there is a world where Tyrod Taylor plays better than Philip Rivers did last year. Okay, cool. Um, I misunderstood that for a second, and I was like, wait a minute, what? Okay, no, all right. <laughs> no, so I, I can... I'm, I'm being a little f- hot takey here just because I my pants are now off. Uh, I, 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 actually like, I, I actually like it, Dave. I, I can totally get behind it, you know? Uh, I think – yeah, so I agree everything you said about Tyrod Taylor and Buffalo, um, and you you, were, you summed it up perfectly in that he said he's like, what else do you want besides a, a guy who's been a wide receiver one the last three seasons, uh, and he's only twenty. What is he twenty eight? Yeah, he's twenty eight. Um, so, you know, I, I agree one hundred percent. He had over fifteen hundred air yards last season. Uh, I don't think Mike Williams is not the the threat that people thought he was. I like Hunter Henry. I think a little more than Todd does for this season, but I don't think, I mean, that's not like the end of the world or anything, but I think that his, his competition is not elite. I mean, yeah, a running back at the backfield, Mike Williams, who's just been a, like a big play wide receiver slash red zone threat. The only thing that's been holding to Keenan Allen back is his touchdowns. And if he, he only had six touchdowns yep. last year, say if he has eight touchdowns, this year, add on a little bit more touchdowns and he's like a top five wide receiver. Like, well, and I know that that's easy to say like, Oh, if you just add this on to a player, but you know, you'd think with those many targets, that many air yards, you'd have a little bit more touch, a couple more touchdowns. And- six, six is like the perfect low for me. You know what I mean? Once you get lower than six, that's when you say to yourself, like, okay, you're missing something there. He's had six touchdowns for three straight years. You know, so like the fact that he's not finding the end zone more is a little discouraging. But he's it's not a terrible number when you give in all the volume that he's getting too. That's the reason why people are lower on him is the fact that he can't get past six touchdowns. It's consistent, you know? So, yeah. So, Dave, you want to play a game? You want to play a game, Dave? Uh, Yeah, I do want to play a game. All right. So, Jerry Judy or Keenan Allen? Dave. Uh, Oh, my gosh. Uh, Ask Sean first. I need a little – I need a second for that one. That's a tough one. (laughs) You I'm going to lean Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen, but I need to, I, I need to lean Keenan Allen. <laughs> it's Ke- you know, for next year, it's certainly Keenan Allen. We're talking yeah. dynasty. So if you know, you're trying to factor in years and years from now, obviously you need to tilt, but it's for next year, it's Keenan Allen all day. I mean, honestly for dynasty, I'm still going Keenan Allen, you know, like I know that that's a wide receiver one, you know, Judy now. All right. Keenan Allen or Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton. Yeah. Sutton. Easily. I'm Keenan Allen. I am, and it's close though. I'm not. I, I said that confidently. I said that confidently as if I'm like I'm confident in that answer, but it's close. No, no, you're talking about two guys that are five-ish spots, right? Yeah. Behind each other, you know, Sutton behind Allen last year and finishes. Sutton's all right. Five-ish. I have the whole tier apart. 
I have Mahal tear apart. That's yeah, how much I like. I I have I have Keenan Allen ahead of Sutton in my rankings. Um, Keenan Allen or Cooper Cup? Keenan Allen. Cooper Cup. Cup doesn't see the field enough. That's crazy. Wow. Um, yeah, that's um. They're they're Cup's going of five picks before him. He's seventeen. Allen's twenty one. Stephon's snap percentage was cut to something insane. I saw the other day, like seventy-two yeah. percent. Once they transition to twelve personnel all the time. Yeah, and they're looking to stay in that. He doesn't really play well in the wideout. Um, you know, he he's definitely a slot guy. Yeah, I, and Todd yeah. knows how good Bobby Woods is going to be this year. I I do. I, I I'm I'm done. I'm done feeding that one. I, I'm he's, not going to write it for a poem. You. Good. Yeah, yeah. I he, will say, guys, I'm not I'm not going to like say that it's a it's like an easy decision. I think that they're close. I have them relatively close overall, so I don't think it's like a like a crazy difference, but I will say just the way that you guys immediately jumped on Cooper cup makes me think because there, this has been a very prevalent thought about the 12 personnel yeah. in Cooper cup splits. It's true. Knock the door on Cooper cup right now, guys. Yeah. True. If you go buy him low. Yeah. yeah. See, just see, because that's, you know, splits, splits can be tricky. There's a lot of factors that people can't get with splits here. So I actually have cup and I've been trying to sell him for like pretty much what his value is supposed to be. And nobody's really biting, so like he seems like a hole to me, you know. Well, so, he seems like the guy to beat up on for fantasy football Twitter this year. Everyone's yeah. all over the place talking about his snap percentage and twelve personnel, yep. but also how terrible he is in man and press coverage. And I feel like he, that's all anybody's talking about is just Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup. He's so bad in these specific situations, and these specific situations are all they're going to be in in twenty twenty. And the other thing about the tw- the twelve personnel piece. That's a very small sample size. That's an extremely Thank small Thank sample you, size. Like, like that was like a mid-season like move. So, it was seven yeah. games. Yeah, that's almost half a season, Todd. That's still a very small that's, sample. That's some size. good math. Seasons are small sample sizes themselves. But you know what? Also, people are forgetting. Cooper Cup was coming off of an ACL last year. He's had that much more time coming off the ACL. I think that people need to take people were knowingly investing in Cooper Cup saying, oh, I think he's going to have a better second half. Actually, he came out of the gates really strong and kind of faded down the stretch. Why not take, why not with a full year away from the injury, let's see what Cooper Cup can do. Fair. All right, last one. Stefan Diggs or Keenan Allen? Keenan Allen. This is easy, Keenan Allen. The fact that Diggs is ahead of him in ADP makes me want to throw up. That that one bothers me. Metcalf too, <laughs> but I don't want to get in that one. You know All what's right. funny is that is that Keenan Allen has a better QB than uh, Stephon Diggs. No, you don't believe that. We know how I much do. You I love do him. believe no, it. No, I really do believe it. You don't believe. Not that. a better fantasy quarterback, but Tyrod Taylor is a better thrower of the ball than Josh Allen. You love Josh Allen. You love him. Todd, I'm telling you, Josh Allen throws an interception in the first game next year. He's dropping 20 points in my rankings. That's just how 20. <laughs> that's just how ready I am to drop him down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wide rec- so we each have two more wide receiver takes so um for, it looks like the rest of these guys are probably none of these guys are like higher end you're looking at that as like y2 y3s even like more depth guys so uh dave i actually want to start with your guy because um i thought it was an interesting choice so go ahead dave who was your uh, second wide receiver so in the running back situation, I really like to to try to really scrape the bottom of the barrel of the ADP barrel. And I tried to do the same thing with Deshaun Jackson here. Back in May, when I looked at this, I think he was the last wide receiver drafted in DLF mocks. I think now he's going at wide receiver 93, eight, a 250 overall ADP. 
Like, uh, there's, you, you know, I'm not that much higher on him than consensus. I think I'm like a round ahead of him and a couple wide receiver slots ahead. But if I'm looking at a win now thing, we saw what Deshaun Jackson did in one game. Yes, I am not even going to even try to attempt to extrapolate that one game last season. And I, and I will agree 100% about his injury concerns. However, the news came out the last couple of days about Alshon Jeffrey might not be ready. Like that's a 10 to 12 month injury. He might not even be ready to start the season. He might not even be ready to come off the pup right away. Yeah. Uh, so, so what you have, Jalen Rager, Deshaun Jackson, Greg Ward. Uh, who, who am I missing here? And then the, the tight ends. Who am I yep. missing? Pretty much. That's pretty much it. John uh, Hightower and Quez Watkins. Yeah. J.J. Arcega, White Cotton. Like a lot of... Okay. A lot of uninspiring choices. Yeah, so my thing is, Keenan, I mean, Keenan Allen. I love Keenan Allen. Let's just say that again. But Deshaun Jackson could be the wide receiver one to start that, to, to be for next year for the for that offense. Uh, Carson Wentz seemed to have some chemistry with him. And even if he has lost a step or two, he is still that. He has been one of the best wide receivers in that role in the last decade. Yes, he's been had injuries, but he has been dynamic. And with with when he's out in space and is a big play wide receiver, so yeah, I love me some some Deshaun Jackson, and he could very easily be a top twenty four wide receiver this year, and you could be getting him for you know the last pick in your draft or the you know the last couple of picks of your draft. You love guys that have been hurt, T- Todd. They're low risk. They get injured, whatever. I put them on IR or I drop them. No big deal. Yeah, that's fair. No, I actually like the pick because I I think that the cost is extremely low. Um, yeah, I, I think if somebody's willing to give up DJX pretty cheap, I, I would definitely move it. What do you what's the cost for you, Dave? What's the cost for you to get DJX on your team? Uh I mean he's I would give up a I'd give up a fourth. I didn't even give up a th- the like a three twelve. I, I mean I, we talked about this last week. Once Tyre Johnson and Quez Watkins are off the board, I don't even want to ro- waste a roster spot in the fourth round. Okay, uh, I mean yeah. I'd rather I'd rather have Deshaun Jackson over anyone in the fourth round, just about. What about you, Sean? What would be your price for Deshaun Jackson? Same. Um, fourth for sure. You know, in our league, fourth is fourth is the bottom. That's the last round. So I'd give mm-hmm. that up for DJX all day because a lot of these guys are just super dart throws. Uh, I'd do a third too, though. You know, I would do it here. No, one, here. no one's getting DJX unless you're win now. So if you're talking end of the third round, it's the same thing. It's just a dart throw. Yeah, I, I would do a third too. I actually... Um, if I, I don't know if I'd really be targeting Jackson. I don't really think there's any Philly wide receiver I really enjoy except for Raker, you know, and the tight ends. I'm just, I, I like both tight ends. Ertz I'd be selling just because, you know, I see Goddard cutting into that at some point. But, yeah, so I like the idea of D. Jackson as a buy low. You're looking at him like you buy him low. He's he's a depth guy, you know. He's your probably your wide six, your wide seven, you know. And that's a great guy to have in that spot. I like that pick, Dave. I like that pick a lot. That was uh, my favorite pick of all of these that we had on there. Because I think one thing, too, worth noting is that Philly got real young real quick. Right? Alshon, Dave already said, might not be back. The injury concern is crazy, and everyone's talking him up ready for September. But it doesn't really seem likely based on the charting of that injury recovery time. Now we have the NFL just announced the other day, right, that it's going to continued virtual off-season training programs, that nothing is mandatory in the wake of Zeke testing positive for coronavirus and these other Cowboys and Texans that did as well. So who knows what 
the rapport is going to look like between quarterbacks and receivers. Djax showed that, and yeah, just the three games he played last year, he came in, he had the one off season, he got on the same page with Carson once. It was awesome for when it was happening. But who's to say what's going to happen this off season? Right. It could be very little. You know, everyone's assuming everything is going to proceed as normal, but it might not. You know, they might continue virtually. Rager might not be able to get in there. Hightower might not be able to get in there. Of course, Watkins might not be able to get in there. It could be very interesting to see what's going to happen if none of these rookies can roll over the way they should, given the glaring opportunity. And there's a world where he's the number one receiver for the first couple of weeks so anybody else can get up to speed. A couple of weeks, he'd be the number one for the whole season. Just that's how good he, like, he could be. I'm not saying he will, but he's got that upside. Yeah, and for a fourth, for a late third... Like we were just talking about. He's your wide receiver six on your team. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, I I love that move. Um, All right, next one. So, Sean, who's your guy? Yeah, it was T.Y. It was T.Y. Hilton. And I feel like this is probably the least original take here out of our second tiers. But I kind of just felt obligated to do it just because of how shockingly bad last year was for T.Y. And for the Colts in general. You know, they were just handcuffed by the sudden retirement of Andrew Luck. But, you know, we're talking about a guy. So if we if we remove 2019, if we just treat that as a big asterisk, right? Like NFL as, 2019 as is humanity's 2020, where we just wish we could erase it from existence. Wait, we can do that with wide receivers? If they played. Anyway, I, sorry, I'm still bitter. <laughs> okay, moving on. Referencing. Um, but, you know, you're talking about, again, if we dial it back to when Andrew Luck was there and the Colts had a competent quarterback and they were in a pass-heavy off, or not even pass-heavy, but at least a 50-50 split, and they were going to the pass. In a points-per-game metric, T.Y. was a wide receiver one. And that had been the case with Luck. T.Y. was great. Yes, he carries the injury concerns, but that's why we're talking about him on this list and not other lists. It's the same thing with Marvin Jones, right? He's got those injury issues. He's got these couple of bugaboos where you sit there and you look at it and just think like, mm, I don't know, I might be a little hesitant, but so is the TY owner. And that's why you can probably swoop in and police him up for lower than value, right? And that's what we're talking about here. That's the whole point of this episode. Yep. And them bringing in Rivers, you haven't seen a lot that Rivers is done. He's 38. He must be cooked. He's got 1,500 kids. How could he possibly have any juice left in his veins? <laughs> but if you take out, and again, right, with T.Y. and the 2019 Colts and what a bad situation they were in, if you, if you take that out and you look at it within a three- or a four-year window, the same thing applies to Rivers. Or if you look at 2019, he was awful. He was so unbelievably bad compared to what he usually is. But so was their offensive line. Melvin Gordon wasn't there. They had a new coaching staff, a new philosophy. They were in a soccer stadium. They weren't even in San Diego anymore. A lot changed. So if, we, if you don't factor in 2019, 2018 Rivers was still the Rivers that everybody loves. Yep. That everybody knows. There's a, there's a narrative here where Rivers is just 2018 Rivers, 2020 Rivers. And the Rivers that thrives targeting people in the intermediate part of the field where Hilton's made his money over the last seven-ish years of his career. And they've brought in Michael Pittman, 
Paris Campbell hopefully will be healthy for year two. Zach Pascal, UDFA, yeah, baby. which I know Dave yeah, is baby. all about. I'm sure his shorts just will continue to be off through the Zach Pascal portion of this. Takes pressure off of TY. Yes, it's less targets for him, but that might be more efficiency that he can police up instead of just being the only guy in the room. But he could be a league winner. You're talking about a guy who's got, in 2018, wide receiver one upside. There's no reason why that can't happen in 2020 either. The way this offense should be reborn with Rivers instead of Brissett under under their coaching staff. I absolutely love that breakdown. Um, I'm absolutely a buy on TY. I think my only thing that makes me better about the whole situation is is that I traded him and I feel like whatever I, I I make so many trades in our league. I feel I traded him to our friend J Pow, who we regularly reference, and he wants to come on and talk, and we will not allow it. Uh, he's like the dude of our league. Such the dude of our league. <laughs> but he's into samurai swords. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where's the money, J Pow? So I love Hilton this year. Once Rivers got put into that that offense, and they made, I think like the biggest thing that Sean pointed out to me is the addition to Taylor and Pittman for efficiency for Hilton where he doesn't have to be forced into a situation. I think that's huge for him. Um, yeah, I love it. I mean, Rivers is also going to be playing ha- behind one of the best offensive lines in football. Yeah, I think Hilton definitely, definitely is a great target in Bywell. If somebody's frustrated from last year and they can't really see past the smoke, definitely be kicking those tires on Hilton. I like it. What about you, Dave? Hilton? I want to do a dynasty team that has A.J. Green... Keenan Allen and T.Y. Hilton as my three best wide receivers. And then Deshaun Jackson and Marvin Jones. I want to go all old school wide receivers and just have stud running backs, stud QBs, and just be like, take that, you ageist mofos. Uh, just because, and, and T.Y. Hilton fits the the mold that we've been talking about. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's kind of obvious here, but T.Y. Hilton is, a, is one of the most skilled small school wide receivers we've ever had come into the NFL. He, uh, and I mean, I can't echo what Todd and Sean said enough, except just for I'm excited to play the Would You Rather game um, soon with T.Y. Hilton. All right, bring it. Um, would you rather have a 2021 second, a random 2021 second, or T.Y. Hilton? When now, T.Y.? I want T.Y. no matter what. Um, would you rather have... All right, here's, a, here's an interesting trade. Uh, so one team had the 107. And they traded the 107 away for the 110 and T.Y. Hilton. So they trade back three spots for T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. and the 110. That, that's a great move. Yeah, same. That's where people. That's where smart owners win leagues, in my opinion, right Ooh, there. Wow, that's a steal. That's savvy. That's in a Dynasty Nerds Devi League, too. That's a good... I like that. So maybe it might be a little Devi depleted. But regardless, that's st- three spots. I love it. Oh, that if if that's in a Debbie week, that pick's not worth much. Okay. Yeah. So, but regardless, I mean, it, it's three spots. Yeah. Even if it's a Debbie depleted, like even the Debbie depleted league, the one tens. How much difference the one ten to one hundred seven? Not much. I mean, there's not really much of a difference in, like, it, pretty much in a Debbie depleted week, you're looking at like the first five picks, and then it's kind of a crapshoot. Here's an interesting trade. This is this is a trade that I usually don't like wide receiver for wide receiver straight up trades. I think. Uh, it's it's a risky trade, and it just there's not a lot of upside. Except it's just basically say that I'm smarter than the other owner, uh, which everyone likes to do. But still, it's it's a risky trade. Uh, this is more like a win now mode versus a 
I want. I, I'm building mode. Darius Slayton or T.Y. Hilton? T.Y. Yeah. Easy. I think so. I think Slayton's way overhyped right now. Way overhyped. I I I like it for a rebuilding team. Like I don't I don't hate it, but I I'd still if I'm rebuilding team, I'm trying to rebuild fast. I'm not trying to do a four year rebuild or something because by the time I'm done my rebuild, I need to sell off my young players because they're getting older. Well, I think so, with Slayton too. They're going to be bringing other people in. Like Slayton for right. 2020 looks looks pretty good. Looks pretty enticing, but they're going to have to replace Shepard. They're going to have to replace Ingram. They're going to have to replace Tate all those guys in the next two years. Right. I The other thing with Slayton, too, is he was also getting opportunities because nobody was healthy. You know? Like, if all those guys are back on the field, Slayton's not getting the same kind of opportunities he was getting. Not even close. You know? I got one more for you guys. I, I think I agree with Todd overall there. Um, T.Y. Hilton or Mark Ingram? You mean future Hall of Famer, Mark Ingram? Yeah, so I, gosh, that's a party Excuse foul. You, Dave. Party foul for the, the, the podcast, yeah. Future Hall of Famer, not Saints Hall of Famer, not College Hall of Famer, not Fantasy Hall of Famer, future NFL Hall of Famer, Mark Ingram, or T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton. Going with the future Hall of Famer. Absolutely. I'm all about Mark Ingram there. And he's a Hall of Famer in my heart. All right, so here we go. I... I waffled a little bit on this one, but T.Y. Hilton over Mark Ingram, the future Hall of Famer, Mark Ingram, because a true Hall of Famer is T.Y. Hilton. He's that good, and Mark Ingram isn't really a Hall of Famer, so T.Y. Hilton, the true Hall of Famer over Mark Ingram. Todd, what do you think? Mark Ingram's a Hall of Famer in my heart all day. All right, but I'm still taking T.Y. Mark Ingram there. All right, last take. So I have the last wide receiver on the board. I'm not talking about Tate. I'm over Tate. You want to know why? Because Julio Jones was disrespected. And Julio Jones needs to be discussed now. I just wrote an article on the Dynasty Football Digest where I was looking at potential wide ones that are undervalued. It was Keenan Allen and Julio Jones. I wasn't going to talk about Julio, but Dave sparked my fire. So, when it comes to Julio, Julio Jones, PPR points per game ranks by years. This was released by at CP Patrick NFL. Great follow. 2011, wide receiver 13. 2012, wide receiver 12. Pretty good start. 2013, wide receiver 2. 2014, wide receiver 5. 2015, wide receiver 2. 2016, wide receiver 5. 2017, wide receiver 10. Even when he's bad, he's good. Wide receiver, uh, 2018, wide receiver five, 2019, wide receiver three. He literally had his third best season as a wide receiver last year. And everyone wants to have you imagine some sort of metaphorical cliff that Julio Jones is just all of a sudden going to fall off. And apparently, like, he's been hurt and playing injured, though he's only missed three games in five years and he's a target beast and right now his dynasty startup you're looking at him as late second early third even though the guy has been a top five wide receiver forever this is just ageism as far as ageism can take it julio jones is one of the best wide receivers to ever play football that's not even a debate anymore. All right? 
He's one of the best. Last year, he just finished just under 100 receptions, just under 1,400 yards, and six TDs. This guy is my number five wide receiver overall still in Dynasty, and people are treating him as if he's 13. He finished third last year, and he's going at 13. If you are in a win-now situation, this is a perfect opportunity to have a guy like Devontae Adams trade down to get a Julio Jones and get other assets to build in other places to improve your team because there's not a difference. And there's not going to be another a difference in the next two to three years. The difference is Julio is better. Bring it. Let's start with Dave. Wide receiver five is is is, is spicy. Uh, that, I know it I, is. I think he could have two more seasons as top as a top twelve wide receiver. I think his best case scenario before you sort of see a decline. Uh, wide receiver. I mean, Julio Jones is an athletic, an athletic specimen. He's uber athletic and he, you know, but he's also very good at what he's a skilled uh, route runner. Uh, so I don't expect a serious decline like a Randy Moss per se. Uh, I just, I think for me, his perceived value, it makes him harder. I don't like being locked into, oh, I have to ride or die with Julio. I don't love riding or dying with players a lot. Now I don't want to sell a player just because I don't want to ride or die with him. But I just don't want to be caught. Like Sean, it's been become a popular phrase on our podcast. I don't want to be caught holding the hot potato last. I don't want to get burned by it. Um, I think I'd, it comes a serious discussion between um, Jalen Rager and Julio or serious conversations. I think DK Metcalf, Cortland Sutton. I think Allen Robinson's up there in conversation. Allen Robinson's five years younger and is still putting up wide receiver one year so. Kenny Galladay. I think those are all players that you don't have to worry about that loss and perceived value on your team. And yes, points matter more than value, perceived value. I just, I, I don't, I don't see him as a wide receiver five. That's fine. My point being is that you're deciding that he's going to fall off a cliff just because of an arbitrary number of age, because it's supposed to fit a narrative. There's been nothing that's shown any drop off with Julio. There has not been one ounce of evidence there. You're just trying to I didn't fit. say he was going to drop off. I didn't say he was going to drop off. I said, what, what, best case scenario? He's still two more seasons. Two more seasons isn't a drop off. So uh, are you saying two more seasons after this one or two more seasons like this Total. one plus one? I think, uh, I think going into his 34 season, it's tough to expect him to turn to, to be a top 12 wide receiver. So then what I'm saying is, is like when you look at like a guy like a DK Metcalf, right? You're talking about a guy that I don't even think he's the number one receiver on his team, right? You're supposed to be telling me that that's a guy that you're looking to have over Julio based off of that small sample size and some sort of projection. Julio's proven that he's a beast. He's continuously going to be a beast, and he's in the most pass-heavy offense in the NFL. To me, like, it, that's, just, that's just ageism. It's like... He's supposed to drop off. He's getting older. Jerry Rice was extremely effective into his late 30s. Yes, I dropped Jerry Rice, and Julio Jones can absolutely be in that conversation. He's that good of a player. He's not respected at the elite level that he's at. He's a different He's a different circumstance when it comes to the rest of these guys, as far as I'm concerned. Sean, go ahead. Yeah, that's a that's a great spot for me to jump in because I think you guys are getting a little lost in the weeds here. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm sure we are. <laughs> like, we talk about not riding or dying or carrying the hot potato. The Falcons are. They're locked into Julio. He's not going anywhere. He leaves Atlanta when he wants to leave. But where Dave's argument held water that he didn't stick enough to in your bantering is that he said Allen Robinson. He threw out a couple other names. And what are you going to get back with that? Which I think is what carries the most weight in this. Is if, yeah, Julio is going to be there for the next three seasons. At least. At least. Who even knows what's going to happen after those three. But after those three, he'll be 34. They're probably not going to offer him anything significant. He might just be done. He's got all those screws in his foot, like Dave said. I mean, just, you know, who knows what will happen at that point. He could fall off a cliff. It seems unlikely, based on the way he's been going. But if you could move back off that perceived tier and you could get Allen Robinson or a host of other wide receiver ones or potential wide receiver ones that are going more back-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two, and you could pair a running back two, a low-end wide, you know, running back two with that, a future draft pick, a couple of future draft picks, you'd be insane not to make that move, I think, in Dynasty, right? Because you always have to be thinking one step ahead. In the words of Andy Bernard, you got to be like a carpenter building stairs. And if you can cash out on if you can cash out on Julio and you can still get a wide receiver one, but it's you know it's not the wide receiver five, it's the wide receiver nine. But you can also build in another top fifty player and a future draft pick in there. That's something. If that doesn't give you pause, you're in the wrong business. I personally think that's selling him way too well. But Todd, do you can you think in a trade in our league? Do you think you can get Julio Jones plus for Michael Thomas? No. No, but you can do that with Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay can get you Kenny. Kenny Galladay plus will get you Michael Thomas. No, I don't think it would either. I mean, Sean, I just, would you rather trade down from Julio Jones? Would you rather trade down from Michael Thomas to Julio Jones or to to Kenny Galladay? I'm embarrassed to even have to answer that question, Dave. You know what the answer is? That was I don't, highly I rhetorical. Don't. It's Kenny Galladay. Okay, and so that's the point of I'm trying to say is yes, Julio Jones is putting up the numbers. But the flexibility these other wide receivers give you while returning excellent value. Kenny Gallagher, Todd, you love Kenny Gallagher. He could put up wide receiver one numbers this year. So, Todd, for the, for the, for the sake of the exercise, a generalized yeah. hypothesis here, what would it take? What would somebody have to trade you? Um, I don't realistically see a wide receiver I would get back that I'd feel good about. For, wide re- for that, I would say that it would need to be probably like a young back plus you know for the scarcity of the whole thing honestly i haven't even really thought about it because whatever i would come up with would just be viewed as insane because i really think that people are just kind of forcing the idea that julio is worth just you know alan robinson and a pick he's not you know you like you're disregarding the elite production he's had his entire career the durability he's had the fact that he's significantly just a better player than Allen robinson in the system season so the answer to that question i haven't even thought about it to be honest my whole point is that this whole conversation is pointing out that if you're a team that just made playoffs or if you're a team that made it to the semifinals and you have Allen robinson right 
why wouldn't you make a move for Julio Jones for being the kind of guy that could push you over the edge, who's connected to a better system, a better quarterback, who's more proven, and you don't have to give up much plus Allen Robinson to get him, and then you ride him for three years, because if you're playing outside of three years, you're kidding yourself that you know what the landscape's going to look like three years from now in Dynasty, because it's just not true, you know? That's the thing, is I think that people are looking way past that three-year mark. And what Julio can do for you in three years, if you're competitive, is going to outweigh a lot more than what you can get back for him. And and so my th- and I'll just say, again, I think to, uh, Allen Robinson scored two and a half points per game less than Julio Jones did. And would I take, would you rather, I'd rather take the four extra years of Allen Robinson for two and a half points per game. But you don't know what the four extra years of Allen Robinson is at 29 or 30. Like, and we don't, and we know exactly what the next four years of uh, Julio Jones is going to be. He's been showing it. Allen Robinson's sample and, size compared to Julio's is not even remotely the same. Julio has been elite his entire career. I'm not saying that he's going to fall off. My whole point I'm saying is that I'll take. I'm saying I'll take four years of his. Allen Robinson has survived with Blake Bortles, Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago and if I think Nick Foles gives him a little bit more stability in Chicago I, I'm very confident that Allen Robinson will have several several years of top at least top 15 production to to make it worth my while to pick up a piece on top of but it's Allen Robinson plus whatever else you're getting yeah and I can have that resale value if I need to Julio Jones does not have that resale value yeah, no, I totally get it. It's not about the resale value. Everything doesn't need to be about what you can get back from later. There comes a point where you're trying to freaking win, you know? And Julio Jones is the kind of player that can help you get to that, to get over that edge to win a title. And you know? Allen Robinson can't. I'm not saying Allen Robinson can't. I'm saying Julio Jones just gives you a better chance. And I also think that Allen, Julio Jones could be cheaper in most of your weeks than Allen Robinson because of the ageism piece. Absolutely. Is there a reality where Julio Jones is cheaper than Allen Robinson in weeks? Honestly. No. no. Absolutely no. true. It is. I'd rather have Allen Robinson than Julio. Yeah, exactly. There you go. We have a sp- we, Out of the two of you, we're split. Done. Dave, would, would you sell him for cheaper than Allen Robinson? I would sell. I would think about trading Julio Jones straight up for CeeDee Lamb. Would you trade? Oh, okay. So you would trade Allen Robinson for There you go. My point being, there are people that are going to look at Julio in that light, that is an insanely cheap price if you are looking to get over the hump. So right now, Sean, you could trade CeeDee Lamb to Dave for Julio Jones straight up. Can I trade him? Are you straight up for CeeDee Lamb? No. Because I'm not crazy. You know? So my point being is that that's an insanely cheap price if you're in a competitive situation and you're going to ride him to victory. That's the whole point about buying Julio. Dave, why don't you tell people where they can find you? You can find me at FF underscore Spaceman on Twitter, and you can uh, find all my writings and musings over at DFF underscore Dynasty on Twitter, DynastyFootballFactory.com. I've got some interesting stuff about how to draft rookie-wide receivers and a a process that's very simple and easy to... um, basically to help you pick the right wide receiver and not miss on wide receivers and avoid busts. So look for that coming out. And also, please, uh, we're happy to be a sponsor of the SFB Podathon. 
uh, as a podcast. The Tale of Two Rivals loves all the partners at the Podathon. We're excited for what Sal Leto and the crew are doing. I think we've already raised over $6,500, and our original goal was $10,000. It looks like we're going to be able to crush $15,000 easily this year. Thank you for everyone who's contributing. Excited for the Podathon. Excited for the Tale of Two Rivals to be a part of it. What about you, Sean? Where are going to find you, buddy? Yeah, you can find me over at FF underscore Walrus on Twitter. Also writing for DFF like Dave. Um, currently pumping out some UDFAs in their relevance to Dynasty. Sneak peek, they don't have much. Uh, <laughs> but just to echo what Dave said, you know, we're all in on the FSB Podathon this year. We're super excited about it. Really just happy to be doing something, giving back a little bit instead of just screaming into our computers and our living rooms. Um, but that's it always slow to the phone on Twitter it's not usually in front of me but as Todd knows I pick it up occasionally and I'm always down to banter or fight or gift war or whatever gift war is always a good time yeah SFP Podathon has been fantastic I'm so thrilled to be a sponsor of that I definitely love screaming into my microphone uh, all day especially when I'm talking about Julio Jones but I also love being able to use something I'm very passionate about to give back to my community and help out people that need it. So very proud to be a sponsor for that. Um, you can also find me at FF underscore Banterman. Uh, you can also dive in a little bit more to uh, my buy lows where I talk about Keenan Allen and Julio Jones at Dynasty Football Digest. I'm going to have some other stuff coming out. I'm also going to be starting a series on a quick early look at the 2021 draft over the summer. So um, I'm looking forward to doing that. Hit me up on Twitter. I'm 100% down to defend my takes. So, (laughs) all right, gentlemen, till next time. See you later. So, Dave, I can't believe you think South America is better to have, that that's the best continent you can take. It's North America. It's North America all day. It's too vulnerable for Europe It's not vulnerable, especially if you're playing with Antarctica in the mix. They both have three points of attack, and North America carries a much higher troop-based reward per turn. I would go for Australia first. That's what I'm oh, you for. fool. Todd, just be less imaginative, <laughs> you bastard. I will say, guys, uh, while I very vehemently agreed with my AJ, I like supported my AJ Green take, I tried to elevate it a lot more for the take of the argument. But, um, I, I mean, I'm going to stand by everything I said, but I trustly tried to play the heel a little bit there. Yeah. Well, now you're committed very publicly to some bets. Yes. And Sean and I are going to very publicly uh, display our spoils to these oh, bets. I'm trying to give some content there. But, you know, I, I mean, I agree with everything I said. I just, I, I don't think I would have been vehemently as it without some, uh, you know, try to get that oh, hot take out there. Trust me. I was not being healed about Julio. That was just me. That was me. And that's what I'm, I'm ride or dying, baby. I am ride or die. <laughs>